let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love, which alters when it alteration finds, or bends with the remover to remove. No, no. It is an ever-fixed mark that looks on tempests and is never shaken. It is a star to its every wandering bark whose worth's unknown. Although his height be taken, love's not time's fool, though rosy lips and cheeks within his bending sickle's compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears with and out even to the edge of doom. If this be the error upon me proved, I never writ, nor know ever man loved. Welcome to Love Week, friends. A little Shakespeare for you this morning as we enter in. And it's been a while since I preached on Pastor Scott. I had just the, the, the way the schedule works. Sometimes you have a little lull. And then I come back to find that I have to preach on love in 26 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> All that love is in this time. And I find it a little overwhelming, to be honest. Because, see, friends, this candle is the most unique, I believe, of all, even though the joy is a different color. We see that on this wreath, we have peace, we have joy, we have hope, and those three are difficult subjects. But friends, love, the thing that, that Shakespeare writes more of than anyone else, the thing that the Bible contains so much of, 26 minutes, complicated venture indeed. Love is concept that goes beyond culture, beyond time, and certainly beyond language. Amen? amen. You've lost your amen. amen. There, there, you got to get a little more energy into it. Yeah, okay. So let's try to rewind. Love is a concept that goes beyond culture, beyond time, and certainly beyond language. Amen? amen. See, they can hear you online now. That's what makes it better for online too. Just say, I love sandwiches, which I do. I love my daughters, which I do, and I love my wife, are so different things because I'm not going to love a sandwich the way I love my wife. Amen? amen. That's a gross amen, right? Okay. <laughs> the, the way in which we say love waters down the meaning of each type of love we have. Do you understand what I mean? The word love, when I use it so flippantly and so freely, be, oh, I try to explain the same concept amidst these three things. It waters down the concept itself because of the ways in which we use it. How much more then do we try to say that God loves you and you and you? To say that God loves me and to try to conjure up this love that God has for us in a way that makes sense in the English language is nearly impossible. The Greeks tried in their language. They had eight different words they used that basically we translate in Americans as love. There's a philia, which is what we get the word Philadelphia from, the city of brotherly what? Love. Yeah, that was very unenthusiastic, but let's keep going. Then we have agape. We have agape, which is this selfless pouring out type of love. And, and I have an illustration here for you, friends, because yesterday I was just so proud of our church going out to two different places. First, we went to the Second Harvest event and also at Lot's Garden and Service Center and the Carney Center. Here come some images for you, okay? And, and we're picking vegetables, I mean, just beautiful, and then serving over in the, in the kitchen there. Here we go. I'm making sure that Phoenix puts a picture of himself. He's running projection day. There he is, everybody. Good, good, good. We're going to call it Phoenix if he didn't. And this, friends, believe on this one, this should be the first image anyone sees when they open up our website, okay? <laughs> and there's Pastor Mike with, what is that, Pastor Mike? I don't okay, no idea. No idea. 
And I know that I've opened myself up to all sorts of blackmail pictures and successive sermons, and I'm ready for that, okay? So successive preachers put up pictures of me doing all sorts of stuff. I'll send you some. This, I mean, just awesome, awesome service, and good, good for us. This agape, selfless love. I'm here to serve because I love my fellow humans. And thanks, Pastor Mike, for organizing all this, by the way. Great, great job. Then we go back to the other types. We, we go, go back to the first slide there. Pragma, which is an enduring love. Storge, which I just want to say with a, a rolled R. Storge, a familial love that I love my family. Then Eros, which is the next slide, which is that's that, that romantic love, that romantic love. Ludus, which is playful love. Mania, which is an obsessive love that we get maniac from, you know, the mania. And fellatio, which is self-love. You have to love yourself in order to love others. And I love that they have eight different types of love and eight different types of terms of love because love is a complicated thing. And love, friends, shows itself in many ways. But friends, the concept of love in all eight of these is the greatest ideal in seeing transformation in humanity. If I want to see someone change, I love them. Through any of the eight different subcategories, love brings transformation. And that's why we talk about it in the heavenly aspect. See, I can hope for something. I can want peace for something. And last week, we talked about beholding joy and seeing God's work. But love, love is different. Love inspires. It guides. It pacifies. Friends, love makes us insane. It unites and redefines our own versions of ourself. Paul's famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13 has nothing to do about human love, to be sure. But in almost every single wedding I've ever been a part of or done, I'm asked to read a passage from 1 Corinthians 13 because it's so descriptive about the power of love and something we need more of in 2022. As humanity, we desperately need more love. This morning, I want us to literally fall back in love with love as a congregation that we may incrementally decide that love is worth the chance for some to think through why and what they love, and then for the last group to double down on where their love is invested. The challenge in this is, is that the risk of all types of love is that it may not be accepted. Most of us have had this happen, right? And I'm not just talking about the romantic love, though. If you've been dumped, let's just get it out there, raise your hand. Yeah, if you've dumped someone else, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. you can also feel that love is not accepted based on the food that you love. Sandwiches, I've had many sandwiches return not the love back to me. <laughs> Usually six to eight hours after eating them, okay? Yeah, that's, I'm being gross twice today. I'll get one more punch on my punch card, okay? Here's what happens. The ideas and beliefs that we love and we maybe have fallen out of love in in the past season of life. 2020, 2021 had me fall out of love with several concepts of what I believed in were true in humanity, these things I loved, and all of a sudden I don't love maybe aspects of my life anymore. When we love and when love returns empty, we either do one of three things. We either entrench, we say, I'm not going to give up my footing here. I still love sandwiches even though it happened yesterday. I may reimagine, okay, she or he doesn't love me, so I have to reimagine somebody else who may have that love that we share with one another or and the last most dangerous one is I stagnate because I was hurt by love I will never love again that's the scariest one 
It happens all the time in churches. In fact, many of your testimonies, as I've heard them over the past 18 months, involve going to a church, not feeling love, and having, this is my last chance, Pastor Scott. I'm coming to E3 on the last time I'm ever going to enter a church. And frankly, I love that about our church. It is Paul who, writing the Corinthians to so many others about God's love, found in Christ who reimagines who God is because of the love that he has. It is the Pharisees who entrench and fight against Paul. And there's so many characters in Acts who do nothing, even though coming into contact with love himself, love incarnate, love divine, do absolutely nothing. Do you ever consider those characters in the Bible who Paul goes through so many cities and maybe gets 20 to 30 to 100 different followers of Christ, and yet in those cities there's hundreds of thousands of people who do nothing? Coming into contact with divine love means I have the option of doing absolutely nothing, not requiting the love. For many of us, for we have come to grips with the love that we thought we had has returned empty in societal principles, in the idea of who I am or was, the love of a political platform, the love of what a church was or is. In fact, some of us have really struggled on even the love of Jesus Christ. For many, that love was never-ending, and always consistent. But this morning I asked a question, what if God's love is a little more variable? No, I'm not going to delve into heresy or even a catchy book title like Love Wins. That's a Christian joke for those in the room. What I'm about to put forth may not sound earth-shattering, but I'd like to put forth the trueness of love in this Christmas in a way that may be a reorientation of how many of us view this fourth candle in Christmas itself. Love found in Christmas and in Christ is true love. It is the love of becoming. And it's one that we can never truly understand. We cannot understand what Christ does out of this love. This Christmas is represented this morning. The love of Christ, friends, I believe has highs and lows. It is inconsistent. It is full of human emotion, of weeping, of hunger, of anger, and embodied and embedded in sacrifice. At the same time, the love of Christ is always consistent and always present. And these two, fully man, fully God at the same time, mushed together in like a Play-Doh that you cannot unentangle once it's been mushed together. You know that to be true. You take the red, you take the blue, and you will ever have red, blue, Play-Doh. You cannot untangle them because they're now one forever. That this God-man is both consistently loving you and also variably walking along all of your ups and downs at the same time. See, friends, this is the truth. God becomes man. This sounds a little like the agape, if you know your Greek. But it's more than that. Agape doesn't become what it loves. Let's test this out. I want you to sit back for a moment and just consider something that you either have loved, that you love today, or you'd hopefully potentially love in the future. And in online, please chat in if you want to. Now on three, I want you to either just just shout it out loud so everyone's going to shout at the same time so you can't hear if it's somebody sitting next to you and you have a secret crush on them, okay? (laughs) The best romance is starting church, amen? There's one amen, okay. You found found your spouse in church, okay? There it is. Okay, 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 good. Here we go. Ready? One, 
two, three. Yes. Be blessed this Christmas. Amen. <laughs> On three, you're going to shout out what you love. One, two, three. There we go. What have the, these preachers done to you, church? Who are you? Some of you didn't shout out because you may have not said anything that you don't love. That's okay. Because you maybe think this is silly, and it is in some sense, but it will come to a point in a moment. Or because you're worried that the pastor who loves Bible Jeopardy will call you on stage. I'm not going to do that. Some of you did shout out, and you realize that as you shout out something, you love that thing. And the timber in your voice maybe changes a little bit as you exhale this. Many of them, I heard, were children. Ironically, no one of you said a teenager name. My question to you this is, for those who did shout out, how many of you can become the thing that you love? Truly become. If I love woodworking, I'm not going to become a board. If I love my child, I can't become a child. None of us can become a sandwich. Sorry, cannibals. Thank you for laughing. That's my third punch, by the way. No more gross cannibal jokes. But in all seriousness, we see Jesus is willing, even in his birth, to shout out our name as loud as he can. He does. He becomes us a new and incarnational love. By being the very nature of God, he gives himself up and becomes a servant, putting human flesh on, as Philippians states. As Athanasius, the great church father, states in the early 200s on the incarnation book, he alone, being word of the Father and above all, was in consequence both able to recreate all and worthy to suffer on behalf of us all, to be an ambassador for all with the Father. For this purpose, then, the incorporeal and incorruptible and immaterial word of God entered our world. He entered the world in a new way, stooping to our level in his love and self-revealing to us. What Christmas and the Sunday of Advent does is reminds us that true love is through the work of God, through Jesus and the Spirit. Seeing God become a part of God's creation. While this Gospel of John has no Christmas story in it, it's in this one verse in chapter one, if you're familiar with it, that encompasses the theological work that Christ does on Christmas. Chapter one, verse 14. The word, which in John's Gospel is Jesus, became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus becomes us on this Christmas out of love. This statement of incarnation for Christ entered into a new dimension of existence through the gateway of human birth and took up residence among us. The verb translated lived literally means to pitch a tent, to dwell temporarily. He left his usual place and accepted the conditions of human life and environment with the attendant temporal limitations on all human, that all humans experience. And several times in John, this is brought back up. God loves us by servitude in chapter 3, by washing his disciples' feet, and yes, by dying on a cross at the end of the gospel. Over and over and over, Jesus takes on our humanness 
which is something that God just shouldn't do if God is God. It's totally foreign to our minds. John indicates this in a philosophical concept, but it's a witness to a new experiential reality. John says, we have seen his glory, shows it's a sign way of new life and a new way, friends, of love. This is a new type of love that is defined through Jesus coming as a baby. God, through Jesus, experiences all that we can experience. And we see a God who truly does love for us, truly does change for us. His love is changing and understands us more than we can ever imagine. God isn't some infinite being far away, and we're his ant farm. God isn't hanging out with guardians of the galaxy and Captain Marvel. No, God is a servant-hearted deity who desperately loves us by, get this, becoming us. This, in fact, allows God to be truly infinite because God, who's only outside the realm of existence and never in it, cannot truly be infinite. He'd be lacking. And boy, the world cannot get this. See, the world says that love is a reality show, a feeling, something you will get from someone else. We should have children so someone will love us. My spouse doesn't appreciate me, so the minute I don't feel loved, I should go look for someone who does that minute. Love is a feeling thing in life. So la vie bohème. Because once... You're 30, you'll probably never, ever find love. Pleasure and love are inseparable. And sacrifice, no, sacrifice isn't love. Love is feeling good only. Society says love, love, love. Everybody love. Love changes, it ebbs, and it flows, and it is a risk. It will change in different moments and different crises of your life. As you grow older, those who are younger in the room, you will find that love changes in beautiful ways and in ways that seem painfully boring but are beautiful and lasting. While we cannot become what we love, we can learn to love like Christ loved as we become more like him. I'm going to repeat that because I want that to hit home. While we cannot become what we love, we can learn to love like Christ loved as we become more like him. We cannot become a sandwich, a person, or an idea, but with the love of Christ embedded in our heart, we can incarnationally become Christ to others as Christ dwells in us. As I said earlier, there's no easy way to illustrate this in 21st century America, 21st century. But there's an exercise I want us to do because I think this embodies to a sense, it's an imperfect analogy, but it's an exercise that I want us to do here right now to show what this incarnational person is. And it's the concept of breathing. As an ex-opera singer, emphasis on the ex, we worked a lot on breathing and on diction and these soft consonants and hard consonants and breathing, 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 because all of your breath for opera comes from right here. And you don't realize what a gift breath is until you lose it. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying that's, that's the truth. Breathing in oxygen becomes a part of you and you exhale what's inside of you, outside of you. And it's just this beautiful thing that God's designed in a way that just blows our mind scientifically. No robot can do this as well. In fact, we are just blessed with such organs to do this process. And so what I want us to do just for a moment 
is to breathe and take note of our breathing. It'll feel maybe kind of weird, but as you do this, realize what you breathe in is Jesus and what you breathe out is Jesus. That's what Jesus does for us in this Christmas story. He comes inside of us and then he's ready to be let out again. So everyone just take a breath in. Take a breath out. In, out. In, out. In, out. We will find is the faster you breathe, the more anxiety builds up inside of you just naturally. And some of you are saying, I thought this was supposed to be relaxing. No, not necessarily. As an opera singer, I was breathing in and out singing this phrase, and the voice teacher comes up and literally punches me in the stomach. I'm not doing an advertisement for the school I went to. <laughs> just the shock of it sends your muscles into spasm. And when he punches you in the stomach like that, just the air gets contracted. And all of a sudden, my voice... This, this idea of breathing in air and having it disruptive just for a moment changes everything. Try it again. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. So peaceful to watch you all breathe. And beautiful. And what I find is when you breathe in slowly, and almost everyone's doing it through their nose, unless you have a cold, almost everyone instinctively, when you go slowly, you close your eyes because you want to eliminate those outside distractions. When you breathe in Christ slowly and exhale Christ slowly, the rhythms and the biometrics of your body change as well. As a performer, we were told that if you get nervous, if you're doing anything on a stage or anything in your world that just makes you nervous instinctively, it's not a bad thing. The way you combat that is you breathe slowly through your nose. Almost anyone who gets nervous starts breathing through their mouth and all of a sudden you're starting to get anxious. This idea of monitoring and realizing I'm breathing in and breathing out every single moment in my life is one that I believe those in the ancient times and in Jesus' day were so much more cognizant of than we are today. And that's why in scripture so many times it talks about Jesus and God bring our very breath. Let us breathe in Christ in this incarnation and let us breathe out Christ. When you bring and when you breathe Christ incarnationally in love, you just can't help but send it out as well. No one can breathe in and hold their breath forever. It doesn't work. Your body is forcibly sending that air back out eventually. See, Jesus becomes a part of all that you do. You can't help on this Christmas when you accept that love of an infant, but to send it out. And this is the love of a newborn child. Later on, John, he writes, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, through incarnational love. God loves you. 
receive this gift of love this Christmas and reciprocate it in new ways that you do not hold on to the old patterns of life. For new life, not entrenching in old habits or thought processes, but in the freedom that Jesus' love only can bring. Let's continue to worship.